This is Bruce. This is John. And this is Blix. Hello and welcome to the TriTac Podcast, your podcast for riding high in the saddle and pulling your six-shooter when you need to. That's right, folks. This week we're talking westerns. We decided that we were going to do westerns this week because, well, we haven't covered that one yet. Somehow it has slipped through. That's right, partners. We haven't done it yet. Yeah, we've, we've done cavemen, we've done dinosaurs, we've done pirates, but somehow we missed cowboys and engines. Them varmints yeah. slipped through like a grease pig. <laughs> so, on this episode, uh, it, it hey, and if, did you notice? It's the original three. Um, Trav is busy this week, Paul is busy this week, uh, Amber's still MIA, and... Uh, uh, Jay is wherever Jay is. Jay is wherever Jay is. <laughs> Jay, Jay, we miss you. We, we miss all you guys. We miss you, buddy. Anyway, so we're going to talk about westerns this week, and we're going to we're going to touch on um, everything that uh, TriTac has to offer in the way of gaming for western type adventures. Let's not forget the fact that while slavery was primarily the Americas, the American territories, and such, slavery was predominantly with black people, but there was plenty of, of Indian slaves. Uh, the Chinese that were working the railroads were essentially slaves. The indentured servants, the Irish, uh, who worked in mining camps and could not, they couldn't leave them and they had to work that job. So that makes them a slave not to take anything. If you're listening, it's not to take anything away from, from the, the slavery that happened to black people, but they were not the only ones. There were plenty of others as well, especially as you get out West, because then it becomes, uh, more of anyone who they could put into, uh, servitude. They would. It wasn't until after the war that, uh, uh, the United States demanded proof that Chinese coming to America were coming willingly. As I understand it, the, the railroad, the, the transcontinental railroad is just littered with Chinese bodies of, of people being worked to death. Irish bodies too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. But, but something that wasn't quite so bad, but could easily become bad. Okay. After the civil war, the orphans, the war yeah. orphans that were literally put on the trains like cattle, they pull up to stations and they practically auction them off, especially the older boys, because farmers needed extra hands they would be legally their children you know they'd be adopted but essentially they would be the equivalent of a hired hand who they didn't have to pay and who couldn't leave well not until they became of age of course that person was their parent and could do whatever they wanted to just like they could to their own children yeah so a good chunk of women are essentially slaves during this period of time 
This is the time of seven brides for seven brothers, male or brides. That was still done willingly in most yeah. cases. Peter, why don't you back this up? Why do you think that women were slaves? Not, not all women, but I'm just saying a, a good chunk of them. And the reason why I'm going to use the term slave is I, I use that term whenever they don't really – when they don't really have a choice. I mean someone might say, well, yeah, of course they had a choice. Okay, or, what was their choice? Their choice was that or becoming prostitutes. Exactly. There you go. And then working for a pimp because you couldn't work for yourself in these towns or, or you know, out in the West. So you were basically owned by a pimp at that point. They didn't have real freedom. They couldn't just set off on their own and just do whatever, you know, and do what they want. Some could, mm-hmm. but it was very, it was very rare. The opportunities just barely existed. People married young in those days is because if you saw somebody who was a good catch you want to catch them before some other girl beats you to it. Right. Yeah. During this point in time, during the, the Yukon Gold Rush, during the 1890s, there was the process of shanghaiing people in Portland. Their bars they were built uh, with trap doors. They would basically you know, get the guy drunk and then drop him to the trap door, and then you put him into a room underground. He couldn't get out because they took away his shoes and the ground is covered in broken glass. Oh, my God. And then he'd be put on a boat, and basically he'd be, uh, until he can figure out how to jump ship, he basically was an indentured servant on that ship. Oh, sure. And that, that happened all over, too. They did yeah. that in England a lot. They were called yeah. press and, and as far as I'm concerned, that's a slave. If you're given a job to do that you didn't choose, you, you have no choice. You can't get away from it. And if you try to, they'll kill you. I'm sorry. That's a slave. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. So a lot of this is going on all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it's not the happy, happy, you know, West that we see in a lot of movies. You know, it's actually a lot grittier. I think that's where you need to talk about what kind of West you want to be playing in. Sure. Yeah. You want to be playing in the uh, Halpalon Cassidy, Roy Rogers West, right. where everybody's a good person except for a few malcontents that need to be dealt with. And they wear black hats. Yeah, and you have to know how to sing. Right. They, only a few people had to actually know how to sing. Everyone else just had to know how to hum. Right. Yeah. You can play that too. I mean, we're we're talking about what it's really like, but I mean, it's a role-playing game. So if you want it to be Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, by all means, trigger it up. You want to do the classical westerns? You know, the John Ford westerns of the 50s and 60s? That's a different genre than, say, uh, the, the Westerns from we got in the, in the 90s and in the 80s and the 90s. Right. Because your Indians are played by white people in that Western. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <know>? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or or Jew- Jewish, yeah. Jewish indeed. people, yeah. A lot of Jewish people. <laughs> you can play completely gritty, or uh, is this where we want to jump ship and go into some of the other types of Westerns? Sure. sure. Let's go sure. ahead. You know, you don't have to play the, the nasty, gritty West. That was, which was the real truth of what the West was like. It's okay to play the sanitized, heroic West if you want to. It's just as much of a legitimate genre as anything else we're saying. If it's the standard West, before we again diverge, just like Mm -hmm. we had the list of people, what are the like the list of plots, standard plots that you'd run into, standard type adventures you'd run into in the standard old West that we would think of? I have it right here. You have the basically the railroad story you're on the railroad dealing with with the railroad you have the ranch story your ranchers 
You have the empire story. This is where you have ranch empires or even an oil empire, oil barons. Uh, you have a revenge story. You know, you're, you're out to get somebody. Uh, you have a, well, Calvary and Indian story. Uh, hardly, hardly ever cowboys and Indians. It's more Calvary and Indians. You have outlaw story. And then you have the Marshall story. And those are the basic plots of most Westerns. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, ones that take place in, in Western Canada. Alberta is basically uh, Montana, but a little bit colder. An old TV series called Border Town. The city is built right on the border between Canada and the United States. I think in Montana. Yeah, deals with all the problems with Canadian law versus American law and dealing with people going, basically going back and forth. There's no customs. Hmm. This is the same with Mexico. Until, only until, I would say, until the 20th century. Uh, you want to go to Mexico? There it is. Go across the border. You're, you're Mexico. Uh, there's no border agents. It really, we really didn't start tightening our borders think, until after, after the 20, beginning of the 20th century, after like World War One. Talking about the, where they draw legal lines and stuff, you know, mo- most of these places where these westerns, where the western stuff happens, the wild west, it's wild because they're in territories, they're not states. Mm-hmm. So while the government can get involved, not necessarily a sheriff. A sheriff gets elected by the people. He's not, you know, he's not commissioned by the government. The, the townspeople actually will pick someone to do it or vote someone in and pay them out of the town coffer. The thing is, he doesn't have to follow United States law. You know, he he can be a sheriff how he sees fit. He can be like Roy Bean, the hanging judge. You know, he could just, you know what? I'm going to hang you. And it's like, well, you can't. Well, of course I can do that. There's no law. I can do what I want. In most cases, the territorial judges, they only had two things they could do. They could either send them off to prison for life or they could set them free or they could hang them. Right. That was pretty yep. much the three choices. They, there was no yeah. five years or like, no. It was like you come into town, you deal with – if the person is, is, is innocent or set free, if they're guilty, you hang them, whether it's horse thievery or through murder. Right, or, or they could do things like if it's something minor, maybe throw them in the jail for a weekend or something. You know, They couldn't keep them in there for long periods of time. They weren't set up for that. I don't think that, that would ever come before a territorial judge. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you're right. That would that would be like a local sheriff. The sheriff would just would just do that. Like the guy wouldn't even go to a judge. He would just the sheriff would say, "You're going to spend the weekend in jail," and that'd just be it. Yeah, of course. If you're dealing with the um, with with the territorial judge, you're also dealing with U.S. marshals. Sure, exactly. Oh yeah, these are federal law enforcement ag- agents, and they operate within the territories. Uh, sometimes they can be the judge, judge, jury, and uh, everything else at that point. Who's going to question them? Yep. They're way out there. There's no communication. Even if somebody saw them do something, what are they going to do? Travel all the way back, you know, to tell on this guy? They're not. He, he pretty, pretty much can do what he – sometimes maybe, but he can pretty much do what he wants for the most part. But they also tended to police their own too. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, example, they- example of some of Wyatt Earp, Bat Masterson, and Dallas Studenmeyer, who he is, are examples of U.S. Marshals, real U.S. Marshals in history. And didn't Wyatt Earp, like, he shot, like, three people in his whole life or something like that? Yeah, I think they're all in, names were Dalton. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think he, but I think he, he killed, like, one guy before the whole Dalton thing. And that he, yeah. but he did it, like, in front of everybody. And it was, you know, he, he did it with so much you know, panache or gravitas or whatever word you want to use that he got this crazy reputation for being this scary dude. But he hadn't really done a whole lot. 
so there's classic westerns. There's the northerns. Like I said, take place in the in in Canada and so forth. I'm going to skip a couple uh, spaghetti westerns. We you know all familiar with those. Those are those are gritty. I would say they definitely are very gritty. In fact, I think they're extra gritty in some senses. Mm. Pretty dirty and sweaty. Yeah, that's just how I like my westerns. Yeah, I was always a Clint Eastwood guy, not a John Wayne guy. Not that I don't like John Wayne. I liked Eastwood better. I grew yeah. up watching Branded. Yeah. Then there's the revisionist westerns, of which I would say Little Big Man is one. Little Big Man. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was weird. What do you think about Jeremiah Johnson? Do you think that's a... I He's think, not western. It's not western, right? No, that's Frontiersman. Oh. Right, Frontiersman. Okay, so that's... and that, So there's a subtle distinction there because it kind of feels like a western, sort of, but it's really not. It's set with the Western technology, but it isn't. Yeah. Right. A frontiersman is, you're the only white guy for 200 miles. Right, right, right. Grizzly Adams was a frontiersman. Yeah. Daniel Boone was a frontiersman. I'm sorry. Any of the young people listening to this, anybody who's under the age of 30 listening to this is probably going, what the heck are these guys talking about? Who are these people? Right, right. Grizzly Adams, if you don't know, was a TV show from, what, the late 70s, early 80s? Yeah. Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett. Uh, Now we're talking 60s. Right. Yeah. 50s and 60s. That's Uh, Then there's the Acid Western, which I'm still trying to get a handle on. Okay, so you're now talking about the Divergent Westerns, right? Yes. Okay, we we didn't quite let everyone know we were doing that. Oh, I'm sorry. We left the standard Western behind. Right. We we switched tracks. We're now heading... On the on the B track, yeah. The types of westerns, and I'm skipping a bit. If you go to, if you go to Wikipedia and look up western genre, you'll see that you'll find the list. And we're skipping a bunch because some aren't actually westerns. There's the Australian westerns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which have the western feel and everything, and you could do that. But we're we're we've limited this show to the American West. Yeah, John, if you're going to talk about a diversion western, at least say why someone would want to play that. Ah. Okay, why would you do a revisionist Western? Revisionist Western definitely was founded to counter the belief of Manifest Destiny, that we were right to kill the Native Americans. Really? Like I said, yes. So Dances with Wolves would be one of them. Dances with Wolves would be another one, yes. Revisionist was basically white man's guilt. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't see me wanting to play that, but okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, if you it's... ran into a bunch of Indians who who had a mat on, then you you could do that. You could come into town and start telling them how bad they are and stuff about the way they've been treating their neighbors mm-hmm. who were here yeah. before they were. Yeah, you, you could get pretty self righteous that way. Yeah, <laughs> spaghetti westerns are really, I say, do tip into the theme of westerns though. That they really exemplify the theme of westerns, which is the competent man, the the one person who can solve the problem or do, or take care of the take care of the issue but he's not necessarily a good guy he's the yeah. anti-hero he's the yes. anti-hero yeah. so speaking of questions you have anti-heroes versus the more john wayne hero they're usually based around a revenge motive mm-hmm. which now we need to get into the weird westerns yay, yay. they're fun because because they're fun <laughs> the first one of course is the horror western such as billy kid versus dracula and i would say i would actually classify um um tremors four sure a horror western not a uh not a weird western because i think it's more horror than it is a 
weird, but it still is weird. It's a monster movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a mo- yeah. Anything that's supernatural and Western is weird West. Yeah, and there's a David Carradine one where he's a bounty hunter, and he ends up dealing with superheroes. I've tried looking it up. I can't find it. But it was it was a bounty hunter. If, if someone knows this, please tell us. It definitely has several supernatural horror things going for it. And, of course, Cowboys versus Aliens. Yeah. I don't know. Is that horror or is that weird? No, nah, it's just weird. They're all, they're all these, even the horror ones are weird. Yeah. Then there's my favorite, the movie called Ravenous. I, I love that movie. That supposedly takes place in 1846, kind of a, a Donner Party story. It's kind of based around the Donner Party thing where the you know the people got trapped on their way out and they got winter hit them and they wound up having to take refuge in a cave and they wound up eating the dead because they didn't have food. It sort of taps into the whole uh, Indian mythos of eaters of the dead of the Wendigo. And it, it's pretty cool. This is the same time period where most of the recorded sightings of Bigfoot occurred. Oh, okay, right, right. Definitely bring Bigfoot in. It doesn't have to be just be like werewolves, cryptozoological creatures that are now literally myth and legends were actually believed to be in that cave over there beyond the, the fork of the river. Right. Yeah. So, of course, here Westerns, as you're saying, is a subset of the Weird Western. Epitome of the Weird Western is the Wild Wild West. Right. And I'm not talking the movie. I'm talking the original TV series. Yeah. Let's not talk about the movie. Don't talk well, about I, it. Sir, I kind of like it. I no. Mean, Everyone's guilty pleasure. That's mine. Okay. <laughs> it's very guilty. It's a hanging. My dislike for the Wild West is the same dislike I have for most origin stories, which is they spend most of the movie where the main characters mm-hmm. who are so effective in the TV series in which they are based hate each other's guts and have to learn to get along with each other. See, I'm like, why don't you just start off that way and have a good movie? But no. And that's why I don't like the Wild West uh, uh, movie. It's not because of all the weird stuff they did with the spider bots and everything else. I was okay with all that. It was the fact that the main characters were such were so ineffective because they hated each other. And that was totally atypical for their characters in the TV series. Yeah, right. And did you want to do any more on that, John? Sure. sure. If you want to talk about weird, weird West shows, I mean, of course... I mean, there's Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. A lot of folks like that. There's Legend, which I think I may have caught one or two episodes of. It's Richard Dean Anderson as this guy who's an inventor. He's literally inventing stuff years before they actually got invented. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think I remember seeing something about that scene. I think I saw the pilot for that. Uh, There was a very short, after, after the first Indiana Jones movie, a series called Cliffhangers. Yeah! And one of them was was the Secret Empire, which was a ripoff of the Phantom Empire. Don't forget young Indiana Jones. That took place exactly during this period of time. That's true. Yes, young Indiana Jones. But he was all over the place in that one. There was some Western and some, well, elsewhere. Right. Uh, Oh, the Terror of Tiny Town. That is a choice pit. That is a weird (laughs) movie. (laughs) Yes. Or, or then, of course, you might go supernatural. Seven Faces of Dr. Lau. Tony Randall playing like six or seven characters. Yep. The Valley of Guanji. Cowboys and Dinosaurs. Oh, nice. Okay. Wait a minute. Was that was one of the claymation movies? Valley of Guanji was Ray Harryhausen. 
It was stop motion animation. They had a T-Rex in that, didn't they? And then the guy lassoes it or something? Cryptozoological stuff. There seems to be this big push for like adding the uh, Asian element to it. So there was a movie called The Man with the Iron Fist. That had a had a big Asian element to it. And then there was The Warrior's Way. I saw the beginning of it, but I never saw the end of it. That was actually pretty cool. So that, that brings in that whole thing like you were talking about carnies. Yeah. And uh, a Wild West town and a samurai comes into town and then there's ninjas that assault the town. And it, it's a lot of fun. Our modern view of science and the world being deterministic, is it's not there in the Old West. You see like strange cloud formations and that's a sign. If all of a sudden the, all the crickets stop around you, something could be coming. There were strange sounds in the night, crackling, snapping. Every little bit of thing that you can imagine to add atmospheres, finding like dismembered cows or buffalo. You could do all kinds of crazy stuff during that period of time because people would believe all kinds of crazy stories. This is the same time we've got uh, Pecos Bill. Right. And all those other stories about, you know, where he's like, you know, wrestling a tornado. All right. You could believe that a tornado had targeted someone, and as they go from town to town, the tornado's following them. I'm pretty sure I read a story like that. And, and you could have a story where that supposedly is happening. Whether you treat that as real or not, or whether it is real or not, well, that's up to you and the GM. But if you're playing in a weird West-type uh, scenario or campaign, it could be real. You know, they, they don't understand things like solar flares. So if, imagine there's a, a massive solar flare a, you know, with a mass coronal ejection. So pelts the Earth with a bunch of ions. Uh, the northern lights can come very far south under one of those conditions. So imagine you know, you're, out in, uh, you're out in Montana and all of a sudden you're seeing the northern lights. Now maybe that's just something, you know, solar flare. Or maybe that's a, a sign of, of, of some creature or something uh, about to come your way. Or you could have somebody who happened to have read the works of a certain scientist and decided to get a, a steam-powered motor and run up a, a, a high-powered generator, and all of a sudden you've got ball lightning coming off the end of the trees near you. Right, sure, okay. And in case anyone doesn't know, I'm talking about Tesla. I'm talking about Tesla. It was in Colorado during the 19, was it 18, 1890s or 1900s? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the stuff that was invented was invented, you know, in Menlo Park and such in, in the 1860s. A lot of these crazy notions and, and devices were slowly coming out. You could carry all kinds of crazy stuff with you and run into somebody who had stuff that you'd never seen before and not even understand why things worked. You had, uh, again, shaman who supposedly mm -hmm. could, could talk to animal spirits. So you could have talking animals, and in fact, turned out it's just it was just you eating peyote, but you didn't know that somebody slipped it to you. But you could have talking animals in your in your adventure, and mm -hmm. the birds is a scary movie. But what happens when you've got ten thousand crows sitting all around you? Right, mm -hmm. that Actually, happened. Bring in the chupacabra. Yeah, mm -hmm. chupacabra. Well, what yeah. about those? What about the the um, uh, all the the flock of seagulls that came in and got all the locusts for the uh, Mormons? Okay, you know, you could have more than one type of that thing happening, too. What if your preacher man in town really does have some divine power? But actually, I just realized there was one technology we totally forgot to bring up. I just realized it. Photography. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, that you're right. This is the time of Ansel Adams. 
with his wagon of all his equipment, uh, probably getting uh, heavy metal poisoning from working with all that silver nitrate. Uh, <laughs> it was actually very customary to pose in pictures with the dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, and to pose the dead. And that yeah, they would they would you would pose the dead, and then you would a lot of times people would get in the picture uh, with the dead person in that pose. So they'd put the they'd put the guy in a seat, like in a chair, and then they would stand around him. Yeah, and I, I understand the flash photography you see in a lot of movies. That really doesn't happen until later on. So when you take a foot, when you take a photograph to get like decent exposure, you have to sit in place for 10, 20 minutes, and you have to sit still. One of the reasons they photograph the dead. It yeah. works. But also, this is when you when you look at we look at furniture from a from a photographer's salon. There are clamps for heads. Oh wow! Okay, clamp your head in place so you don't move it. <laughs> nice. Oh hey, real quick, uh, we forgot one one uh, weird West genre that that uh, we haven't touched on. That was uh, it was a movie. It was called Gallo Walkers, and it's with Wesley Snipes, and he's uh, fighting zombies in the Wild West. So I just wanted to throw that in there because it's. Looked really horrible, but I haven't haven't seen it. <laughs> One of the things that you could have a lot of fun with is animals they've never seen before. You get a tiger that gets loose from the circus or an uh-huh. elephant. It might as well be a dinosaur. It might as well be a saber-toothed cat because they've never yeah. seen it. And that thing's out there, and it could do whatever it wants to. Yep. And it's going to be the scariest thing you ever saw. We have to go for the classic, though. The classic animal that was... Tr- literally tried in the in the West and didn't quite work out. Camels. Really? Yes. Okay. It, it, remember the movie Humps? Nope. It set back in the 1880s, I think. Basically, they tried to use camels in the West, in the deserts. Turns out there's a big difference between American American deserts and the deserts of, of Northern Africa. And it was enough that they just didn't quite work out. I mean, there's still stories that there's somewhere out there herds of camels living someplace in Nevada or in, in, in New Mexico. <laughs> That's funny. There's a lot of animals that could have been transplanted by people who's ready to make the next big thing happen. And they get loose. Or they just trying to deal with these outrageous creatures that aren't cattle, aren't sheep, aren't chickens. They aren't turkeys and <laughs> right. you see a kangaroo going by. It could definitely be the weird west. We're getting pretty long in the show. Let's let's talk about adventure ideas. Start with Frenchworthy. You can go to a world where you're in Dodge City. <laughs> right. Eighteen eighty or something like that, you know, and uh, or actually Dodge City before or after the oh, was it Dodge? No, it wasn't Dodge. Where was the OK Corral again? Tombstone. Tombstone. So yeah, you could be in Tombstone just just after the uh, OK Corral. So a lot of folks are kind of antsy about people walking around armed. Now, if if I were going to do this, I would want to make one of the primes a Wild West world. So you got eight portals. You can uh, leave open the ones you want to have enough portals to go to the places you want to go. Stick one in England or something, so you can do the Victor- like the the late Victorian time frame or whatever. But anyway, and then do your alternates. That's where you could have your weird, like one of those, be a weird West, the, the Mongolian West, or something like that. Like you were talking about the the, the good, the bad, and the weird. Yeah. So the guy, so the characters come out. Let's say, let's use Tombstone because every, I mean, I, th- I yep. think just probably everybody has, has seen Tombstone. Yeah. So they come out. Uh, they head down the road a little ways, and they realize they're in Tombstone. So what happens then? 
So Wide Earp shows up. Give me your guns. Could be, and of course they they pull out their nine millimeters, and it's like nothing he's ever seen before. <laughs> right, but he knows it's a gun. Yeah, I mean he's not that dumb. Yeah, you know it, it's it, it's got a barrel, it's got a trigger, it's you know he might say I don't I don't know were you, were you all from Europe or something, you know, is them German guns? Well, you know that's not too far off. If you ever seen some of the early attempts at making that style gun like the Luger, eh, turn of the century. You know, they're well-trained IDET agents. They're not going to just, you know, wander into town with their modern clothes and their modern guns and mm-hmm. walk into the saloon and start drinking. Uh, I know players that'll do that, but yeah. <laughs> let's give them the benefit of the doubt. It was scouted. It's scouted. They know they're coming into a Western world. So they, you know, they wear their Western getup. What are they doing there? Why, why, why go to this town? Okay, hopefully your scouts are good and you're wearing the correct period clothing correctly. Sure. <laughs> Otherwise, it's sort of like showing up in in togas and in in, in uh, Petrovana and going. We don't wear that anymore. Do you know that? <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, what's the situation? Are we talking? Okay. If if wire derps there, are we talking pre or post? Okay, Corral. Well, I was just I was just saying wire derp. But uh, yeah, with his tombstone, you know, where 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 in tombstones period are we talking? You know, because that does affect who's who's sheriff and what's going on. All right, so if we're going to have an adventure, if, if you're going to run an adventure and you want um, mm-hmm. you want the party to be the good guys, and um, I'm going to say uh, Wide Earp has left town, and they don't really have a sheriff, or, or the sheriff they have is very weak, and uh, maybe a new group of cowboys has come into town, and, and the town is basically being run by a criminal element. I mean, it's it's obvious that that pretty much some rich baron, some rich cattle baron, is is pretty much calling all the shots. You know, he's he's basically running roughshod over everybody. Being that I debt doesn't have a, uh, it doesn't have the prime directive. Right, right, right. French the I debt does not have the the um, prime directive. Prime directive. That's the word. Doesn't have the prime directive. You know, I debt can get involved. They probably want to set up a little settlement here, you know, maybe uh, maybe score a little piece of land and, and uh, set up a, uh, a base of operations. Yeah, I mean, it's the town, you know, because I think Wired Earp left pretty much a couple of years after, you know, the OK Corral. So it's, his, his term of office was fairly short. Right. I'd say basically got hot, too hot for him. The tombstone was actually it was a mining town, so you have oh there was when we we miss miners, <laughs> old right. miners, uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's a mining town. You know they were I believe it was silver, probably it's silver mines. Prospectors, John. Prospectors? Well, no, prospectors are looking for gold. They're miners when they find it, and they have mines. Yeah, but that's not ex- <laughs> okay. Go on. Go yeah. Uh, gold and silver. They said so, yeah they were mining gold and silver in the area uh, sure. up to um, wow. Something worth up to six hundred thirty-three million dollars today in today's money. Wow, that's pretty good. So of course that means this town is a boom town. Okay. The the basically who, the miners are the ones that are going. You know they come in with gold. They may be living the best lives. Prices are going to be higher here than they are elsewhere because it's a town where there's a lot of mining going on. All right. So let's say there, there's your ba- there's your bad guy, the mine owner. Oh. Let's steal a plot from you support your local gunfighter. Okay. Yeah, there's two mine owners, and someone's discovered where the mother load is. It's under. It's in the middle of town. 
Oh God. Okay. <laughs> so, so he wants to get rid of the town. No, he wants to get there first. Come hell or high water. <laughs> and so does the other guy. So now you have these two minors fighting both above and below ground, trying to get their minds to where they think the mother load is. Okay. <laughs> be conflict in the town. First off, this constant rumbling on the ground. Richter two, Richter three earthquakes from the mining and blasting underneath under the ground. <laughs> right. You know, and there's miners. You know, normally before this happened, they would sit down and drink with each other. Now you have two groups who sit apart, and there's more chances of fights breaking out between the two groups as they're you know busy trying to get there. Of course. Uh, there's all sorts of you know, uh, plans going on at this point. You know, do we uh, blow up them? Do we do, do we blow up the other guys' uh, uh, base operations and then we just keep on going or what? So there's there's definitely sign of conflict here, and the ch- question is how do you how do you resolve it? You know, how do you keep keep them from you know destroying the town in the process of getting to the mother load? Okay. Uh, and this is where you could also taking just uh, not to go too much far off the rails, but if you wanted to use that same plot for like a weird west type of thing, uh, yeah, they're blowing stuff up and they wake something up. Oh yeah, right. So the Idet is there, or if you want to do a Bureau Thirteen type adventure, I the dwarfs dug too deep. <laughs> right, right. Rather than waking something up, you could also release a pocket of gas that is causing massive hallucinations amongst the town people. Oh, oh, so it only appears that crazy stuff is going on. Well, there is crazy stuff going on, but it's being perpetrated by the townspeople. Right. Yeah, no, I like that. Well, think about Fringeworthy and all the elements that are already in Fringeworthy. Yeah, them prairie dogs gotten real vicious lately, sir. Those are Lee Smeller. Right. Yeah, right. We're getting overrun by these prairie dogs. Hey, look at this funny little critter we caught. Let's take this little one and make breeding pairs, you know, take the breeding pairs and make a whole thing. Says, sir, would you please release the pangolists? They're trying to, because those are notes they're handing you. Why do you think they say help release me? Hep, 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 hep. hep. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that cute? I, mean, I don't know how they learned how to write that word. I don't know. Hep, hep. Uh, all the technology on the uh, super technology on the fringe pads, the can just wander its way through a portal and get dropped off somewhere and found by somebody later on. Oh. Even some of the, the stuff out of Hardwire Hinterland. What if they found a template? What if this is a Westworld, a Tremelin Westworld, and all those Western people you're talking to are actually Queller? Okay. Well, come on. I mean, yeah, basically, you, you get caught up in, you know, when you show up, you're the first people to show up, and Lord knows how long. They're gonna they're gonna kick into the programming and do a show with you as the stars. Well, how's that different than actually a western though? Well, this is a Westworld. They're not they can't hurt you, but you don't know this until until it gets to that point where you realize, oh, this is fake. So up to a okay. certain point, so it's, certain- it's the it's the Westworld before it all goes bad. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. I, that's the part I wasn't getting yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's not Westworld. It's Westworld before it goes bad. But you know, but you don't know this until well, until you realize that we're not getting hurt, are we? Yeah, the and school that, farm suddenly you know has a really great interest in me for some reason. I don't know why, but she keeps trying to invite me over for Sunday dinner. There are some scenarios you can do that are going to be really hard for you and the players to deal with, and that's say anything to deal with Native Americans. Trail of Tears. 
you you end up end up someplace near Custer's last stand. Who do you help? Right, right. The Indians didn't they didn't need any help at Custer's last stand. They were the winners. Yeah, they they pretty much had it going. If you're going to help, mm-hmm. you're going to be you'd be helping him. You run into Geronimo while he's hid, hiding in the Black Hills. Do you help him become a much more effective gorilla? Gorilla war yeah, warrior. Right, right. Or or you you wander into a you wander into an area where the uh, soldiers are, are trading uh, blankets with the Indians, with the Native Americans. Do you help them? Yeah, or do you get talk to your doctor and in about two a couple of days later he shows up with a vaccine kit? Right. <laughs> exactly. Or or just simply go and say, "Hey everybody, before you use those blankets, let's put let's put it in this hot box here for about, you know, 20 30 minutes." Right. Yeah. There were a lot of of diseases that were endemic in the United States. Mm-hmm. That actually caused people great. I mean, it, it suppressed the economies of the area. And by go and if you wanted to play a little bit more straight rather than weird west, other mm-hmm. than the fact it's got the French were involved, just going into places and improving their sanitation and cleaning them out of parasites and things like that, you could see a, a, a community go from a, a kind of a listful, barely able to make a living to a boom town because all of a sudden these people have tent two to three times the amount of energy they used to have and all their children aren't dying. Yeah. You do not want to think what a Western town smelt like with horses going down the street doing their business. I don't think there's any uh, beer of sanitation to clean up their business. Not in a small town, no. Not in a small town. It's mixing into the dirt and when it rains, that mud is downright filthy. Right. (laughs) You know, again, I hate to go back. You know, I keep going back to Deadwood, but that's I like Deadwood a lot because it, it handled all that stuff. Like the streets were disgusting, and when it rained, it was just like this puddle of mud and grossness that people walked. It was a mire. People would lay planks out to go across the street, mm-hmm. so that you could you could actually walk across the street without stepping in the, in the the yuck. Well, let's not even talk, talk about the flies. Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> and the mosquitoes had to be horrible. For adventure ideas, as the Fringeworthy, you can be good guys. I guess you're probably not going to be bad. I mean, Fringeworthy kind of doesn't lend itself to that. I mean, unless you're playing, you're not playing high debt. If you're playing like fringe wanderers, I guess you could be the bad guys and rob trains and stuff. I hate to say this, if you're playing Victorians, this this is your time period. Sure, right? Yeah, you would fit right in. Could very well easily be the bad guys. You come into an area. And you see a bunch of people that have mnemonic plague. Uh, you may not be able to cure these people. Okay, you may not have any drugs that will help these people. And if you don't stop, grab these people and tie them down and lock them up and possibly just shoot them dead on the spot, they may take out an entire community of hundreds of people. And you are the bad guys. You are the bad guys, but but no one realizes that you're saving them. Right, right. So, so you're, you're, you put the town under quarantine. Yeah, you're basically like going around and marauding in this town and treating people viciously and, and, and unmercifully, and they don't they just consider you to be just the worst person who ever lived, when in fact is you're saving the majority of their lives. This is a time of chicken pox. Even with our European immunities, it's still a nasty disease and it still kills people. Do you start vaccinating people? Do you start, you know, Taking the folks who you got chicken pox. What are you doing when it's a four-year-old who's got chicken pox? Uh, whooping whooping mm-hmm. cough was worse. Yeah, whooping cough, TB. 
I mean, most people who got that died. Yes. If they were children. Uh, when I was going to University of Colorado Springs, uh, one of the buildings was an old TV, uh, uh, was a tuberculosis uh, sanatorium built back in 1910. This is where the people basically went there to, to cough up their lungs. Well, that's uh, apparently in Tombstone. That's what Doc Holliday died from, right? Consumption. Yeah. Yes, he had tuberculosis. Yeah. So, all right. So, so that's, that's fringeworthy. Now, what about hardwired hinterland? Oh, there's little Texas. Yep. Where there's a special relationship between a cowboy and his horse. Because <laughs> a horse can talk. Right. Well, Wilbur, what are we going to do today? <laughs> well, not only that, but if you actually do get lucky with someone of your own species, the horse is right there giving blow-by-blow evaluation of your performance. <laughs> That's true. And you go to the ranch, you realize the rancher is a cow, is a steer. I if an animal goes more than one year and doesn't become intelligent, it's probably never going to become intelligent. Therefore, it's fair game. Literally. So, what do people eat? When I was running, the, the players stopped in a uh, in a hotel run by a rooster and several chickens. Oh, God. He served eggs, eggs and bacon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, I was just thinking. <laughs> when he comes back in the place, does he come home to roost? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more disturbing than seeing a pig sitting up at a, at a counter and, you know, eating eggs, eggs with a side of ham. Yeah. No. CLT. Oh, Jeez. I hate to break this to you. This is the way it is actually in slaughterhouses. They feed pigs the remains of other pigs that have already been slaughtered. Oh, dude, they're not supposed to do that anymore. Yes, they are. But the, but the law says they have to cook the garbage first. By cooking it, they kill the trichinosis. That's why trichinosis went away. Up till yeah. then, they just were feeding it to them raw, and we had lots and lots of trichinosis. Well, wait a minute. I thought that's I thought those were prions were coming from doing that. And you can't cook the prions out of something, can you? It would be a lot harder. A lot of the diseases are transmitted by you eating the infected body parts of other animals. It's happened a lot in slaughterhouses because there are lots of animals that will eat uh, whatever you put in front of them. Cows are not because they eat grass, but they also eat corn. And there's and there's a number of molds that can infect corn and wheat and things like that. And that can that can bug them. But it also in close proximity, cows can infect each other with some of the other diseases that they have, like our tapeworms. But basically any carnivore and any omnivore will basically if it doesn't know, it'll it'll eat you know its own species yeah. <laughs> without any problem. Pigs are omnivores. Yeah. If you're a carnivore, you'll still eat the meat of your own species if you if you don't have a moral compunction against it. Yeah. And, and animals that are not intelligent don't have that. So I'm just saying in the hardwater hinterland, it's not that uncommon. If you have some compunctions, you won't eat your own species, but you'll definitely eat the species, the, the meat of another species that might have animals with a capital A in that species as well. So, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a madhouse, I tell you. Yeah, like I said, there, you know, this, this rooster, he had a couple a couple of his uh, chickens were, were smart, but the rest of them were, well, chickens. And they he were had dumb clucks, were they? Yep, yep, dumb clucks. And they had no compunction over, uh, you know, serving serving the eggs they, they produced or even, you know, if they got kind of old and stopped laying, serving them. All right. So so what kind of adventures do they do, they do there? Well, te- Texas is one of the few places where you can get oil. Okay. Little Texas is a few places they actually produce oil. Not a whole lot, but they produce some oil. Uh, so yeah, stealing oil. So, so for um, what do they use oil for there? 
for the planes? Yeah. For making fuel for planes? Yeah, I'd say lubrication is probably the number one use of it. They stopped using whales primarily because whale blubber doesn't produce the fine oils that you can get from petroleum. So petroleum has always been high demand as far as lubrication and machinery. Okay. Well, plus whale oil in this world is not come by, right? There's only one person or one company or something that can get that? Well, you can go after the whales if you want to, but they're gonna, it's an even battle. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. In, in Hardwired Hinterland... The Karna whales will eat you alive. <laughs> yeah. You don't hunt the whales. The whales hunt you. Why don't you be lying? Basically, has somehow made a deal with the Karna whales and the, octa- and the and the squid. Yeah, but they don't hunt them, right? No. No, no. Nobody hunts them. Right. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The, the whale blubber or whale oil is not is not something you come by in hardwired hinterland. So you're right. Oil, stealing oil would be a big thing. But yeah. there's also a plant that actually grows pods that have an oil in it that can be extracted. And I would imagine hemp oil. Yeah, there's other sources of oil, but, but definitely petroleum is, is very valuable. And because of the amount of energy density of oil versus alcohol, you know, there's lots of people, especially uh, who want high-performance airplanes like uh, air pirates and military-type mm-hmm. guys who are always interested in getting their hands on a good source yeah. of uh, high-powered petroleum. But because this is – Little Texas is literally set back in the uh, Old West times. There's no refineries so other than basic refineries. So if you really want to get high tests, you need someplace that has a refinery. Detroit, over in almost Canada, probably has refineries that can refine that oil into good high tests. So they pump it and ship it, is what you're saying, John. Yeah, pump it, ship it uh, into cargo planes and so forth. So yes, of course, as we said before, air combat in, in Hardware Hinterland is either fast-paced or slow, and they show up and they just walk from one wing onto another wing and say, Hello, we're here to steal your oil! <laughs> you have saber fights and, and gun yeah. battles on the wings of your planes, yes. Yeah. In my Hardwire Hinterland campaign, we haven't gotten to Little Texas yet, so I can't tell you what we're going to do there because <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet. If you're in Little Texas, right, could you have some of the, the standard Western tropes we've already talked about? The sheriff. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Do they have cattle barons there and such? Sure. I guess, like I said, some of the cattle barons may have Cyrus and the cattle you're going to buy. The point of the matter is, is that you could do the same kind of adventures, except you could also get in your plane and fly to New York. or uh, so, so you're not stuck in that Western thing. That's something you would do because you, because you choose to be there or because you got stuck there. Okay, so do we want to go over to Weird Zone at this point? We can go, yeah, Weird Zone, yeah, because this is where you could, you could also, again, end up in all these same places. Oh, you know, you're not so well equipped, or maybe you are. It depends on how, uh, where, where you are in your weird zone campaign. You know, have you guys, have your people, you know, collected enough firearms and stuff like that from various places, and have enough equipment to, to uh, survive landing in the middle of a, a civil war battle? Plus, you're only sticking around for how long? About thirty Both. hours. So you're there for a limited period of time. So you would show up, and there's time for one adventure, and then you're off again. Yep. Yeah. It's a, a really nice way to do it in the adventure. You know, you, you show up and and the, I don't know. The, the sheriff has just been shot. Turns out that there's a train coming into town, and these guys are going to try and rob the train. And they're willing to hire you to protect the train. And it's a boom town, 
So they've got plenty of money and they're going to pay you in gold and you can use gold almost anywhere you go. So you're like, oh, well, we got to do this because if we get gold, we can use that just about anywhere. You know, we can we can buy more supplies. And you go into the uh, local saloon and you realize that one of the uh, saloon girls is actually basically a, a white slavery. And so, you know, that if you take her back to your zero plot, she'll jump with you and and she can actually escape this life and go on to something hopefully better. <laughs> Except for the fact now she's a slave to your plot. <laughs> she can't get off of well, it. It's a great way to actually introduce a new character. The other question is, where did you land? Because wherever you landed, it's gone. Sure. So did you land in the middle of Boot Hill? So is Boot Hill gone? <laughs> That'd be so weird. Or did you land top the mine? Or the sawmill. Or the sawmill. Yeah. Oh, God. You could be a real force of destruction in this community. You could really stir up an anthill. Of course, if you really want to mess with the players, you land where the church was. Ooh. Because that would not be good. Once you get past the basic plot, which is to go and try to make yourself capable of surviving pretty much anywhere you go. You know, in other words, yeah. make your plot self-sufficient. Once you get past that, you're, you know you're on this ride that you're never going to get off of. So you, the best you can hope for is to trade rides with another plot. And so you, you go to another plot, now you're on their ride. So I figure at that point... You're looking to get involved in, in everywhere you go, just to you know, so you can have some sense that you've left a mark somewhere in the universe. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just you're just buying time riding the eternal bus ride across the United States. So I figure that these you, these people are going to be coming off these plots, literally looking for for ways to get in, get into trouble or to stop trouble or to start trouble or whatever. They want to cause a change to the environment that they're going into. And that's going to drive a lot of changes in that community, even if it's a very stable community to begin with. Yep. Right, right. You either get caught up in an adventure. You, I mean, one of the places from the book is you can land in what looks like a Western town. with oh, It looks like an old West town with trucks. And you realize trucks only have three wheels. Hmm. And then when you go into the bar, they're not, well, they're not people. Well, they are well, they're people, but they're not your kind of people. They're greys. Yeah. This is one of the <laughs> early adventures. Again, it's all. It's, it, what matters there is the fact you're trying to get your plot going. Yeah. But late, later on, you know, you're going to be you, – you walk into that same town and you're going to expect that. So it's got to yeah. be something more. There's got to be another plot, you yeah. know, another story that you need – that you're either going to try to create. It, it just depends on what the players want to do. The players could become reformers. The yep. players could become the opposite where, like, they could all – let's say, you know, you had a religious character who lost his faith and became atheistic. Well, then every time he goes into a, a, a town or whatever, he's going to do everything he can to basically disrupt their beliefs or, you know, uh, he could be a libertarian. And so yeah. he's going to try to keep – you know, break the status quo wherever he goes. That's sort of thing that I see the players doing. Otherwise, they're going to be bored stiff. Getting back to what we're yeah. actually talking about in the yeah. podcast, one of those plots out there that you your ship your particular plot might bump into could be an old west plot. Yep. It could be you know some piece of old western uh, you know it could be the the Alamo for crying out loud. There's no reason the Alamo on some alternate world couldn't get scooped up and set off on its own plot. 
or it could be a cavalry off a cavalry uh, base of you know fort fort savage and you have trained soldiers there or, or it could be that fort that's in ravenous right peter yep mm-hmm. absolutely oh, yeah and they're yeah, all inviting you for dinner <laughs> right here have a bite with us Oh, we do, we do want to make a mention that there is actually a setting for Bureau 13, uh, Black Powder, uh, which takes place during this time period. Uh, you can run it like the Wild Wild West if you want to, or you can run it a little bit more darker. You have to remember during this time period, uh, the Bureau does not use mages or wizards or sorcerers. In fact, they're more, more likely he's going to arrest them and throw them in prison or do something else to them. Uh, it's not until like 1889 they actually recruit a person who can do magic. But they do have people who are knowledgeable about history and about mythology, especially when they have communication back to the East with the Washington, D.C. office. Therefore, the number one defense that they should be using is Baines. And if you've been listening to our podcast, we went over uh, discovering how to determine the Baines of a supernatural creature just a couple weeks ago. I would suggest highly, if you want to do this in the Old West, that's what they're going to have. They might have silver and, and the holy water, and, but a lot of this, the natural, supernatural they're going to run into, they're not going to be affected by that. So they're going to need to know how to deal with Banes, and mm-hmm. that's going to be a whole different kind of, of investigation and mm-hmm. elimination tactic than how they would in a modern setting where they're literally coming in guns a-blazing with red bullets and mages firing fireballs and cast daylight on vampires. Yeah, I mean, this is a time where you, was it the ghost dancers? Right. I mean, you ran Native Americans, you had the ghost dancers, who thinks that they now are wearing magical shirts with bulletproof. Well, guess what? They are. Unless you do something about it. Do you do something about it? Playing cowboys and Indians where the Indians are bad guys, again, you know, could be a dilemma for your players, but maybe not for your characters. When I ran a campaign in the Old West, there was like one guy, there was one shaman who mm-hmm. you know didn't want to make treaties with the U.S. He mm-hmm. wanted the Indians to rise up and, and become powerful nations and throw off. He did not understand. People tried to tell them that there was literally this unending sea of white faces to the east, and nothing that they did was going to stop it. He thought they could beat him. So, of course, he was invoking the spirits of his ancestors and animal spirits and all this stuff. And so he kind of was a bad guy, I mean, because he was doing these things. A lot of the Indians actually helped out the, the Bureau team. We don't agree with him, but we're afraid of him because he can summon up herds of buffalo to run through our camps if we don't obey them. So we'll help you. You can have a bad Indians and good Indians. They don't have to be polarized one way or another. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- there was one story I, ha- I came up with, but I never had a chance to run it. Ghost Riders of the Storm, based on the song. Only it's really Ghost Riders. If you're the best writer, the best cowboy ever, best rider of horses or whatever, you can get swept up by the storm, by the Riders of the Storm into their ride. So your bureau agent's trying to rescue somebody who got swept up into the ride. Western Wild Hunt, huh? Yeah. The only, but the trouble is, the only way you can replace somebody, get them out, is to replace them. Someone else has to take their place, you mean? Yeah. So that's take their place if you, if you try to pull them out. And you best be a good writer because if you're not, you just get trampled. Because this thing's been going for years. There's Mastodon in, the, in that ride. And while you're doing that, you can always listen to this little album I just I ran across. It's mm-hmm. called David Carradine is a bounty hunter whose robotic arm hates your crotch. 
Oh my god. <laughs> what? It's the second EP by alternate rock band Fight Light Like Apes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what it sounds like, but I, I wonder if it would be appropriate for a Weird West adventure. <laughs> yeah. It could be. I think I want to play uh, uh, the soundtrack from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly so I can hear wah, 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 wah. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and then the that's the part I always <laughs> like was was yeah. was when they started doing the the low you know bass you know bum, 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 bum. Yeah. right 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 all right well that's it for the western episode let let's call it a draw <laughs> oh so thank you partners for showing up thanks for joining us on this wagon train across America we hope to see you next week for the next episode. Of the Tri Attack Podcast. Yes. And be real careful now. Don't take no dirt nap. That's right, hombres. But until next time, hey! <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. Yo, brothers, this was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.